Hi, I'm Laura Wasser, and welcome to the Divorce Sucks Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Johnny Rains. So, Johnny, they haven't heard us for a while. Yes. What is this? What are we doing here? Well, I've been at the movies. I see. Yes. You've been seeing all of the Oscar nominations? Well, one in particular. Yes. We are having a special Divorce Sucks episode today wherein we will discuss Marriage Story. dun dun dun, dun. Yes. And what a movie it was. Have you, you've seen it, right? Yep. Yeah. Well, may I say, first off, congratulations on your Golden Globe. You know, a lot of people <laughs> have said that to me in the last week or so. And I have to say, I'd like to focus a little more on the movie itself mm. as opposed to, you know, whether or not Laura Dern's character, Nora Fanshawe, was loosely based on me. I don't even know that she was. But nevertheless... Every aspect of the movie seems like they just pulled it right out of your life from the way her office was set up from down to even like the Manuka honey. Early on, Noah Baumbach asked if he could use our office for some scenes. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure, although I wasn't there, that the production designer must have come in and taken pictures because, yes, Nora's office and the conference room look very, very similar to those at Wasser, Cooperman, and Mandel's I'll where say, I practice. I'll say. Yes. And, and even her mannerisms and her... The way, Disingenuousness? <laughs> well, that part, no. I Actually, that was the one of the main themes of her performance, in my opinion. And I think maybe that's one of the reasons why she's getting such acclaim, because she really... That was not how you operate at all. You have an authenticity that she definitely didn't have as an attorney in that movie. Right. I, I mean, yes, that is how I hope that I'm perceived. And I feel like all three of the family law attorneys that are represented in that film are kind of a caricature of the worst kind of family law attorneys, although they obviously all have something important to offer. Most of my colleagues in the family law field have been really kind of like, is that how we are? Alan Alda in particular, I mean, I wrote down some of his amazing lines because he makes so much sense. You know, people say, well, are you the Laura Dern character? <laughs> no, I'd rather be the Alan Alda character. Uh, unfortunately, for whatever reason, he's rather ineffectual. Right. Um, you know, the Ray Liotta character also makes some really good points, says some really good things and then kind of ends up being an asshole. Nora Fanshawe, everybody seems to respect her, fear her. You know, they talk about how she's very fair and yet she is somewhat disingenuous and in the end, I think, makes their situation worse. The mm -hmm. scene at the very end where she says to to Nicole, you know, oh, I, and I figured out so that even when Charlie is in town, he'll only have 45 versus your 55 custody. And she says, well, that's not what I wanted. And so oh, let it go. You won. I don't think most family law attorneys would do that. I don't think you would want a family law attorney that would do that. If what your goal and intention is, is to have a situation where post either settlement or trial you then have to go on and get along with that person. But isn't isn't that what the law is about? It's all about power and who has the more weight on one or the other side of the scales. Not in family law. Nobody wins in family law. That's a great line from another film, War of the Roses, that Danny DeVito says. But, you know, at, there's a scene in Ray Liotta's office where he says, by the time this is over, you're going to hate both of us. And Adam Driver <laughs> says, I, I can definitely see that. Yeah. The reason I think that the movie is so important, and there's so many things to talk about that have to do with it, but because of everything that we speak about here on Divorce Sucks and on the It's Over Easy website, the evolution of dissolution, this is the 
Kramer versus Kramer of our generation. Absolutely. And I think it's so important that people see it. I've So many people have reached out to me and said, oh my God, I, I had to stop it halfway through because I was just weeping so much. Yeah. It's important that people see what it is that divorcing families go through. The emotional part of it is just so gut-wrenching. And I think it really, really struck a chord with so many people, whether they've, they're divorced or their parents got divorced. And I think it's really important because as you and I have discussed so often, having these conversations is hugely important. But I also think it's a huge cautionary tale for people Absolutely. who think that putting, you know, they started out with the best of intentions. These guys weren't assholes. They just kind of wanted to do what they kept saying. Well, but this is, this is a, what the big question is. Could that really happen? I mean, could somebody come to L.A. on a job and like suddenly now they're not, an L.A. family versus not that you, quickly, not that quickly. Again, that's some artistic license that Noah Baumbach, the screenwriter, took to make it a simpler story for us to understand. But no, we have jurisdictional requirements in California. You have to be living here for a while before you could actually file a petition and serve it here. So that's not exactly realistic. But again, the idea that somebody could do that. We do right. have cases where somebody comes and they stay here for the summer and maybe they even enroll the kid in school and then all of a sudden, bam, they file a lawsuit. So, you know, that that feeling of kind of powerlessness, of not really understanding the law and of being a victim and this kind of happening to you, that really struck a chord with me as mm. well because I tell people so often, look, your spouse's attorney might be being an asshole, but your spouse is there. He or she is reading the letters, the emails, that scene where they were in the courtroom. Oh, yes. And both of them were just going at it against each other. Not a very realistic scene, by the way, because you wouldn't be doing that. You'd be talking to the judge, not your opposing what, counsel. I mean, could, could they have just stood up and said, like, I don't feel that way? Well, at one point, one of them could have definitely put their hand on their on their attorney, their advocate, and said, can we take a minute? I'm not liking where this is going. Or at any point leading up to it, they could have said something like that. You do control the narrative when you are the client, when you are the customer. And so I always think it's interesting when people make their lawyers the bad guys. And that's mm -hmm. what we're here for, and we get paid for that. But at the same time, the buck does stop with you. And so I just... I think that that part of it, that victimization, look, it is what it is. Again, perhaps another poetic or artistic license that the screenwriter took. But for those of us watching the movie, I think it does send an important message, which is if you want to be the master of your own destiny, be it. Right. Learn the law, figure out how to apply it to your facts. If you need help from an attorney to get that kind of application, great, but be in control of what's going on. Don't just kind of let it happen to you. And both of them were sitting there the whole time with these kind of worried looks on their faces. And what ends up happening in the film, spoiler alert, is it does end up kind of being okay. But maybe if they had at the beginning gone through the exercise that their mediator, albeit a rather wishy-washy mediator, still, I get it, yeah. had asked them to do, which is read their lists about what they love about each other, they would have embarked on a different path as opposed to her hiring Nora and then eventually him hiring, I, I can't remember what his name was, Jay, I think his name was Jay, Ray Liotta's character. Right. And when she said, why'd you do that? Why'd you get that guy? We almost had it all I done. Why didn't you get, stick with Bertie? He said, I had to get, get my, my own, own asshole. asshole. Yeah. 
Well, it's interesting that it's nominated now this week. Um, they announced the nominations, and of course, Laura Dern is nominated for Best Supporting Actress again, which she won the Golden Globe. But And the Critics' Choice. By the way, they all did fantastic yeah. jobs yeah. playing their parts, yeah. which is why I think it's resonating with so many people and why it's so hard for so many people to watch because it just they, they're it's so, so good. Real. Yeah, but do you think it's because it's also nominated for Best Picture? Do you think that it has a chance? And if, I mean, what does that say? I have no idea. I mean, I don't know anything about this kind of stuff. I think it's I think it's important for the field of family law, particularly the field of kind of mediation and self-help and having an online divorce platform that I have. I think it's important people see this movie. And I think it's important that everybody knows how difficult it can be going through that process emotionally. But in terms of all the awards and accolades that the film has received, including up to the nomination for Best Picture, I think there's a very uh, interesting O'Carrant component to the fact that at this time, in this moment of our you know existence on the planet, like you said, this is the divorce film of our age. And so there is a shift from... Kramer versus Kramer and War of the Roses, don't you think? Absolutely. And that's another, I mean, the the monologue that Laura Dern has where she talks about how there really was no such thing as a good father until 30 years ago. And she goes on this whole rant about, you know, women and, and being virgins and, and mm-hmm. mothers and whatever. And God being an absentee dad. Right. And I, I think I, I think it's interesting. That is not something I ever would have said to anybody in no, my office. No, that for sure no. was not, you know, did not come from me. But the idea that at this point, point in time, women are kind of really angry about things that, you know, so many times in the movie, Scarlett Johansson's character, Nicole says, I I felt like I was losing myself. I felt so small. Getting your power back by virtue of getting divorced can be a great thing with new chapters and new beginnings. Getting your power back by virtue of making a decision about your child's life and where he or she is going to live and using the process doesn't sit as well with me. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, I wanted just to read some of the things that Alan Alda says, because I wish that those things would have been given a little bit more seriousness. Again, he was kind of played off as this ineffectual old, you know, and he really made sense. He says, "I, I graduated into family law to help people survive this painful time. And he says, if we get bogged down in who did this and who said what, and I don't want to pay the $2, um, it'll cost you more money and time and eventual stress, and we'll probably end up in the same place anyway. Which now, that sounds like something you'd say. Totally true. Or most people in my business make up the truth so they can get where they need to go. I'm going to focus on the truth. Or I like to think of you and her as people. This can be a really ugly process, but I also believe it doesn't have to be terrible. And again, Adam Driver says to him at one point, this doesn't make sense. And Alan Alda says, you're right. You're doing this because you love your kid. And in doing so, you're spending so much money that you're draining it from your kid's education account. Right. At one point, he tells uh, Charlie to be a better husband in divorce than he was in marriage. I mean, a lot of those words do sound like stuff that you've said. That, or that other family law attorneys that are wise and have problem solving. Are but, there any other that are as wise as you, though? None. I'm like the Yoda. Okay. <laughs> Eventually, this will all be over. And whatever, whether we win or lose, it will be the two of you, you and him and the future together. Wow. I mean, that's the kind of stuff we say. And that kind of got brushed aside, which, again, I would I would like to focus on some of that because those are the important messages of this movie. 
And maybe if the more powerful family law attorneys in the movie would have actually gone in that direction, again, they got to the same place they were going right. to get to. He agreed that they could stay in Los Angeles. They shared the 50-50 custody when he was here. It, it didn't have to be so acrimonious. And nobody really ever talked about this, but it must have cost a shitload of money. Absolutely. And that's that's part of what I think was also very poignant about the the movie and the experience. It personalized the experience to the point where you really felt what it, the kid was feeling, what the parents were feeling. Did you feel what the kid was feeling? I felt what the parents were feeling. I never felt what the kid was feeling. I missed completely where he was in all of this, frankly. And I, I've read a few things about that that said, and may, look, it's not the filmmaker's job to make us know every single thing. Mm -hmm. He was a cute little kid. He may have been just young enough not to totally get it. At one point, Jay says, don't quote your kid. We don't want that coming in. There was the really interesting and, and disturbing part where the family law, the child custody evaluator right. comes and sits in the house. I'm sure all the child custody evaluators <laughs> out there really love that too because she was portrayed as such a weirdo. <laughs> but again, it's such a weird situation of somebody kind of observing you at a home visit, which they do often in family law cases where custody is at issue. I mean, all of these things, but you didn't really, I don't think, get the kid's perspective. Well, here's what I think about that. It wasn't very obvious. He wasn't acting out in obvious ways, but it was very subtle, the way that he gravitated toward the Scarlett Johansson character in some ways. And then I, I, I really, I was watching that relationship and I, I thought that it was well played. I thought the scenes where he was with his dad, the Halloween thing. That thing. Oh, my God. Those were the so Sergeant painful. And, and I mean, but just but when they when he, they did the trick or treating on their yes. own and they went to the pink dot. I mean, that I've watched so many dads, mostly dads, sometimes I'm really struggle with that transition period. Yes. I mean, I really think that the Halloween the following year was going to be a better year no matter what. I mean, well, that's and it was. It was. But it just it that transition is what people are so uncomfortable with and why it's so important that you seeing this movie and you're going, oh, I either I felt this discomfort. It happened to me. I remember how frustrated I was or, oh, I remember this discomfort from when I saw that movie in 2019, 2020. And I now can get through this a little bit better because I get that. I get that frame of reference. Well, I was also really uh, intrigued when I saw at the, at the very end the special thanks to you. Well, among other people. I think they really did. They really did their research and they spoke with a few other family law attorneys. They spoke with a co-parenting counselor and really, you know, got the information. And they and they also have spoken publicly about the fact that those of them who had been through divorces right. used some of their own experiences going through this and and added it to them. None of it was autobiographical. Some of it had some, you know, mirroring of the situation, mm -hmm. but not exactly. And I think that's important. And I think Baumbach has said that he's done that in a lot of his work. I, Squid and the Whale was one of my favorite movies right. ever. And that really is about the child's perspective of a parent's getting divorced. So this is kind of his, I'd say, coming of age movie regarding that issue. And I really think he did a good job of saying this is a love story. Right. This isn't a story about failure this is a story about hope well and at the end the very end of the movie before the special thanks to laura wasser and other people they left it i mean my you know i'm a hopeful romantic and i was like oh my god are they gonna get back together did you see i never thought they were getting back together well hopefully yeah that's you never know i think that they were able to come back together and be a family which i thought was really yes. important get back together in some way 
where they were having mutual respect for one another, I right. guess you could say. And I loved Julie Haggerty and Merritt Weaver. Oh, in this they movie. were so good. so good. I mean, Julie Haggerty. I represented Julie Haggerty and her divorce years ago. Wow. I was a baby, baby when attorney. She, around the time she was in Airplane? No, we were too young no, for that. after that, post-Airplane <laughs> and even post-Lost in America. Because okay. I remember us talking about the nest egg and you had to make like a nest. But she's amazing and she's a lovely person. And um, Hilarious. And their performance in the movie, that yes. whole scene with the pie and the serving the papers, they're so good. And the singing. I mean, they were singing. Yes. Who knew Adam Driver could sing? I didn't. I, <laughs> I will say this. 25 years practicing family, I've never seen so much singing. I know, that was that part I was a little bit like, really? Is there that it's much like singing? It's like the La La Land of 20, I guess, 2020. I guess so. <laughs> anyway, those are my thoughts about, about Marriage Story. If you haven't seen it, get out there and see it. Enjoy. It's not the most enjoyable film, but it certainly is worth seeing and digesting and marinating because it's all about the discussion that we're trying to make happen here on the Divorce Sucks podcast and on our It's Over Easy online divorce platform and community. So before we go... Let me say happy, well, I, divorce day has passed, but happy divorce month. You were just in New York, and how was it? <laughs> I was in New York. I was on the Today Show. I did a lot of press because evidently people want to hear about divorce month well, in January. Ja- yeah, I know I do. So one of the things that uh, I spoke about a lot was the podcast and how Divorce Sucks has taken a little bit of a break because we are refueling and rebranding, and on February 11th, we will launch with iHeartRadio our new podcast, and I'm really looking forward to it. So stay on this feed. Keep listening. Listen to some of the oldies but goodies that you liked and know that just in time for Valentine's Day, once divorce month is over, we will be launching our new podcast with a very special and exciting guest. Check it out. February 11th. And keep your ears and eyes tuned to this space because between now and February 11th, we'll be dropping little tidbits along the way. Oh, joy. 